Hey friends, welcome back to your favorite homeschool podcast. You're listening to season two of the Friends of Cabrini podcast. Go ahead right now and subscribe on Apple, Google, and Spotify. And make sure you go tell a friend. Hey friends, welcome back to season two of the Friends of Cabrini podcast. We're back with a very special guest today. Her name is Talisha Edwards. She is an amazing wife, homeschool mother of three from North Carolina. She's also an entrepreneur and a certified sign language interpreter. She has started to homeschool back in 2018 and She's also connected to Liberate Minds for any of you all out there who are interested in finding a homeschool space, Liberated Minds is the place to be. Let's welcome Miss Edwards, Mrs. Edwards, <laughs> onto our show. How are you today? I am excellent. Thank you awesome. so much. Yes. So I've read so much about you and I've been taking a look at your homeschool page on social media, your Facebook pages and things. And I thought that you would be an excellent person to come on to our podcast because it just seems like you have so much to share. Um, I noticed that you had shared with me early on that you do a little bit with holistic health and Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about that because I see that, you know, this is something new you started. Is that right? With Sankofa, your Sankofa Holistic Healing Solutions Organization. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that is correct. So um, I started my healing journey about uh, 10 to 12 years ago, and it was basically just me looking for answers, just looking for answers, you know, as to why do I have this issue or why do I have that issue? And um, throughout that process, I have discovered, you know, that through my healing that I could help guide others um, to their path uh, to healing. Um, That was such a a strong issue. calling for me that um, at first, you know, it was just like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, make sure I'm good to go. But um, it it just didn't work out that way. I found myself, you know, uh, people asking me, well, what do you do for this? Or, you know, I have a a boil, what do I need to do for that? You know, so that kind of led to me just helping people discover things that they can do on their own, you know, if they have a, a minor crisis, you know, in their life or some sort of minor health issue. And um, from there, I went on to uh, become a certified holistic nutritional counselor. Um, And yeah, I started the business in late 2022. And here we are. So how do you teach, I guess, children? How do you teach your children uh, the importance of nutritional health and just quality eating, quality food, being good to your body? How do you teach them that? Yeah, so, you know, I grew up in a family. Uh, we ate everything. We we just, we <laughs> just you know, <laughs> but, you know, we've always had a garden. Uh, my family, uh, my, my extended family, we actually had a farm um, and which I didn't realize this at the time because, you know, I was, I was young and it, things like that didn't really, really matter. Um, but it was Green Acres Farm and we always had fresh vegetables, you know, and fresh fruit growing, just, you know, nuts and everything everywhere. But again, you know, we just ate everything. And as you get older and you kind of get away from your roots and you kind of get away from your family, you start to do things that your family did not teach you how to do, you know, because you're grown, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. And so I ate whatever I wanted to eat. Um, And then I started to raise my children that way. Well, it's been a process trying to reverse that. But what I found is that 
including them in things like, um, we have a garden now, so including them in things like growing their own food. You know, we have some blueberry bushes and some blackberry plants and raspberries and, you know, peach trees. So, you know, they are actually a part of cultivating that life force. So they are more willing to eat it. That has really been a a huge thing uh, for us is actually being in touch with the things that you're going to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a huge encouragement as far as, you know, them understanding this is what's good for your body. My son and I, we are turning the page or turning a new leaf on starting our approach to eating more cleaner and, and better foods. But, you know, we are city people. We live in the city. So it's kind of hard to have your own farm and things of that nature. What would you suggest, I guess, for families that kind of don't have the right living situation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I want to say. Um what would you suggest for them to do, you know, as far as with teaching their children? Yes. Well, you know, I, I say this. We lived in, in the city for a little while. Um, but where I'm from, is this, it's not truly a city. It's more of a, a, big, a big town, if you will. But, you know, we, we didn't have access to a garden or, or, you know, there was no specifically organic grocery store, your Sprouts, your Whole Foods or anything like that close by. But mm-hmm. um, what I would suggest is, you know, there's always what they call vertical or, you know, um, for a while there, we would put our fruits and vegetables into buckets and pots. So, but, you know, if that's not possible, then definitely when you're shopping, you know, shop organic, try to get the freshest, freshest thing that you can find and the most organic, but also seek out your local farmers. There are tons and tons of local farmers that you can have access to where you can, you know, get it directly from the ground. So, I love to support local farmers. Sankofa Holistic Healing Solution. How did we come up with the name? Because I love it. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, the Sankofa is, um, you may see it depicted as a bird with an egg in, in its mouth. Um, it's also a, an Adinkra symbol that looks like um, two, it looks like a um, mm-hmm. But what it means is to go back and to get it. Um, mm-hmm. So, and that is how, you know, I have had my approach to healing myself and healing my family is that there are things that we were given that we may have thrown by the way, things that we simply didn't get. So it's just the, in the spirit of going back to get what belongs to you. So, and that is how Sankofa came came to me um, because it, it was a deep meaning for me, you know, and of course the, you know, holistic part uh, is what I do and healing. Uh, that's what we're about. We're about healing and we're about finding solutions. Speaking of going back to get it, right? Sometimes we know as parents, we know that when we put our children in some of these educational spaces, they're not always quite getting the things that we would expect for them to to get or learn and that means that we have to do things at home so we become homeschoolers or yes. unschoolers um talk about your journey in, in you know homeschooling what led you to this space so i have uh i have three children i have i have a 21 year old a 20 year old and they are out of school uh, they're not in um you know your regular school at this point and i have a 13 year old uh when the oldest was coming up through school you know i always had this feeling that there was something more um she's a very very bright girl regardless of academia she just she just possesses this inner knowing this knowledge you know mm-hmm. and i knew with her that this was not going to work. I knew that. Um, but at the time, I wasn't as clear as I, as I was when I started uh, homeschooling 
my son, which is uh, the 13. And I would have to say around about the time that um, my son, he was in the second grade and he was in a Spanish immersion program. It was an excellent program. It was a great idea. So he was able to learn a second language, you know, while he was being educated. So um, it just so happened that we started to see the uh, oppression really, really, really come through uh, with our son. And we already had been throwing around the idea, you know, we had some regrets, you know, about not homeschooling our oldest two. And so as he was coming through, we just kind of got a little more clear about, you know, this is not where he's supposed to be. This is not where we're supposed to be. So we made the very swift decision uh, to, to take him out. And we have never looked back. And, you know, this is, should have been done years ago, but I'm so thankful, you know, that now, even though we did not homeschool our oldest two in a traditional way, uh, we're thankful that they still do live with us. So they're able to participate and go back and get some of the things that, you know, we think that they missed. So it's just Sankofa everywhere. And I'm guessing that your daughter may not have had those experiences. Is that right? Well, they did. Uh, both of my daughters did. Um, and again, like I said, we were not as clear as we were at the time when we decided to homeschool our son. But yeah, it, it was, you know, it was um, it was difficult for the both of them. Difficult for them. Um, they were very much so out of place. Um, they did have issues. But again, you know, raising a, a black child, black children, um, it's different for black boys. It's, it's completely different. And you start to see those issues show up much earlier than you do for Black girls. Yes, I was going to say that. We've had a couple of guests who have shared their, their personal testimonies. And, and it does seem it is very different. And I've, I've had a couple of people come on the show and they speak to how some things were just really out of hand when it came mm -hmm. down to either their sons or their brothers. And I just wonder, like you said, it's, it's a system just full, full of oppression. It's a system yeah. full of oppression, right? But I just wonder if it's more so targeting the African-American young men more than it is, you know, for the, the young ladies. But who's to say, right? Who knows? It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, those things happen. You decided to make the shift over to homeschool. And that was in 2018. Is that right? Yes. 2018 and um he was in second grade uh this was wow. the end of his second grade year yes <laughs> yes he's much older now and his voice is changing so it's it's, it's very interesting to watch you know <laughs> uh-oh uh-oh grown man coming <laughs> exactly. Exactly. awesome so how did you get started you know a lot of people usually when as first-time homeschoolers are kind of confused on where to get started and i'd like to say First, do your research, you know, understand the laws and whatever the requirements are within your within your specific uh, state. And I know mm -hmm. North Carolina has some, some interesting kind of rules or procedures, what have you. Um, how did you guys get started with just creating the homeschool experience for your family? You know, I started to understand that this was what we were going to do and um, I had no plan whatsoever. I just knew that I wasn't going to continue to do what it was we, you know, I wasn't going to continue to have him in that. And, um, you know, I, I watched him, you know, moms know their babies and, you know, he is a hummer. He likes to hum. 
He likes to, he's very musically uh, oriented. And I would always get calls from school, you know, about uh, he, he was humming in class or, you know, he wouldn't stop tapping or he wouldn't stop drumming or, you know, different things like that. And so I said, okay, you know, this child, uh, he's music. He, he's, you know, he's, he's very musically uh, inclined. He also comes from a family of musicians. So he kind of really had no choice. So, you know, I started looking at the at the laws, but I started talking to other homeschooling families. And, um, you know, if you go and you go on, on the website and you read the laws, it'll scare anybody. You know, it's very scary, you know, especially if you have no idea, because you're always thinking, you know, what if I don't do this? They're going to come and get me or, you know, or, or whatever. So I started talking to other homeschooling moms that put me at ease. Um, so we just decided that, you know, we're going to establish our school. And, and before we even, we did that, we just, we are looking, we knew we, he was coming out. So we established our school and we took about uh, a year off. I would probably say a year and a half. And we just de-schooled. I'm going to tell you, that was probably the, one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done. Right. Because, you know, we, I, I had a colonized mind. You know, I was thinking that you've got to be doing something, you've got to be productive and, you know, all this type stuff. But once we got into the groove, you know, that that became that became the norm. That also allowed me time to kind of get a plan together and kind of figure out what does he like? You know, what are some of the things that he enjoys? You know, and through that, you know, he said, Mom, I want a guitar. We bought him a guitar. And during that time, he just started playing the guitar. You know, people say, you know, well, you're homeschool. You know, what subjects do you teach? We don't teach subjects, we teach interests, we cultivate interests and things that they want to do. Of course, you have your, you know, your math, your mathematical things, but that doesn't always have to look like a book and a piece of paper. You know, that looks like helping me in the kitchen, you know, with measurements and, and making and preparing food. You know, that looks like how far apart are you going to plant this blueberry bush to this blueberry bush? You know? <laughs> and it also looks like, you know, uh, with, with his dad, what's, what type of nail do you need or, or what size wrench do you need? You know, things like that. Um, we we kind of really didn't have a very specific thought out plan, but amazingly, it all just, it all just flows. So, you know, you mentioned uh his interests. And that's one of the biggest things that happens with unschooling, right? We follow the interests of our children and kind of let them really design what their learning journey should look like or experience. And so I think that's, that's awesome that you have a little bit of that in there as well. How yeah. did you guys end up end up connecting with the Liberated Minds organization? Well, before, um, before we actually started homeschooling, uh, he had taken a class with Queen Thais. Um, so thankful for her. And um, I was just kind of like looking around through uh, some of the Black homeschoolers groups. And we found that there was a post there uh, that she had advertised a class that she was going to be teaching. And this was before um, she, um, before Homeschool University, which is now the homeschool platform that she has prior to Homeschool University. And uh, it was just a class that she was teaching. And we put him in that and we were just like, man, this is just awesome. This is awesome. And through that, we discovered the homeschool conference that she does every year. Once we went there, once we attended that conference, it was like a big warm hug. <laughs> and so, yes, we have been, we have just been supporting that and nurturing that uh, from that day. I've heard so much about Liberated Minds. I think I know at least 10 people who have either took classes or, like you said, attended conferences or things of that nature. So I yes, love it. It's, so it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. So 
speaking of interests, right, what are some things that your children are interested in? Um, okay, so uh, we have several musicians in the family. Uh, between the three of them, we have um, a uh, trumpeteer, we have a pianist, we have a flutist, we have a guitar player, and we have a bass guitar player. And that is split between all three of, of the children. So um, they like to do that. And um, my husband sings, so we kind of sometimes get together and we'll, you know, pick a song that we like and, you know, they'll learn the song and we kind of play around with that. Um, so, yes, they, they love that. Um, now, I love the garden. So, you know, I say I'm homeschooling as well. Um, I love the garden. I don't think they love it as much as I do, but <laughs> <laughs> they like to eat. So that is, you know, that is another interest uh, of theirs. Um, we have one that is in a real estate course. Mm -hmm. um, for uh, Black youth. So that is going well. also have a, she is a uh, nail tech. She's a manicurist. So she's doing that and she started her business with that. Um, we have another that is doing crochet art and she is in love with that. So we really get nice pieces throughout the year that she likes to try. And so we get the benefit of wearing the art. Talking about, you know, just the family aspect of it, right? Because some people are just just going like crazy, mind boggling. How do they balance? How do they balance like yourself being an entrepreneur, having a business? How do you balance self-care, time for yourself? Um, what would you suggest? You know, what what some what are some things that you have done to kind of balance out your life as an entrepreneur? with your family, with homeschool and whatever else. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. yes. You know, I, I will have to say um, that is not my strong area. However, I have found that throughout this process, I found different things that I have um, carved out time to do, such as, you know, getting a massage. Uh, that is a big thing for me. I tend to hold a lot of stress uh, in my back. So, you know, I have to make time to get a massage. But one thing that is the, one of probably the most invigorating things is just getting in the car, going to the store by myself. Mm. Uh, that is a, a big, uh, big self-care thing for me because it gives me time to think. It gives me time to recalibrate with no one asking me questions or wondering what we're going to do next or what are we going to eat, you know, things like that. So sometimes just <laughs> actually getting in the car and, you know, just simply going to the store alone. Um, I, I almost thought you were going to say one of the ones that we do, uh, my son and I, he loves to do what we call drive arounds. I, I just came up with the term when he was like three <laughs> and we would just, uh, you know, finish our day with just driving from one end of the city to the next end of the city. And sometimes we would always see something different along the expressway. So I, I thought you were going to say something like that. Uh -huh. and I guess that would kind of be a little bit of how we kind of do something as just a wind down together. Yes. You know, um, it's always fun to just see the, the landscape of a city and interesting buildings and things you probably wouldn't see normally. <laughs> yes. And that's, 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 uh, we have a different name for it here. Um, again, I'm from Eastern North Carolina. So a lot of people say that's the country, but what we call it is riding out. Yeah, so, you, know, <laughs> you know, we'll say we're going to ride out today, you know, and we usually, yeah, we'll do that. And yeah, you always find interesting things or 
thing that you, you know, may circle back around to later on in the week. So yeah, we ride out. We ride out too. I think it's so important for like families to know that they can have just simple moments like that, right? Because as you said earlier, everything doesn't necessarily have to be planned. Sometimes when you jump into homeschooling, you might think that you want to follow or try to mimic what was happening in the public school setting or private school setting, but the experience has to be totally unique and, and totally new for your children, right? And in your case, you have multiple learners. So, you know, it has to be different and tailored towards the interest of each one of your, your children. So I think that's very important. Um, yeah. As well as what you're exposing them to. I love how you mentioned they all have their different interests. You know, they have a combined interest in music, but then there's real estate, there's crocheting and things of that nature. So what inspired you, I guess, to kind of um, help either support or just kind of helps to expose them to different things and in the homeschool setting? Well, I, I knew that, you know, and, and let me just say this, that in the beginning, in the beginning of this journey, uh, after the de-schooling, it was a little bumpy. You know, it was a little bumpy because, again, I was still trying to mimic the public school. I still was trying to make sure that they had every subject, you know, that was that was deemed necessary by, you know, the public school system. So um, that that was a very treacherous, treacherous road. Um, so but as I, you know, kept moving forward, I realized that this would go a lot smoother if they were doing things that they enjoyed. So, you know, I just started watching and just being attuned more, more carefully in tune with the things that they gravitated towards. You know, um, so, uh, you know, art, that, that's one thing that they all love, you know, and I knew there had to be some physical activity in that. And um, my children are very vocal with what they want, you know, much different than how I came up. You know, they're very, you know, they just, they're really clear on what, they, what it is they want. And oftentimes if they say they really want something, then they actually do want it. You know, of course there's your, you know, small desires that they have, you know, that is kind of, you know, something that they, they thought of on a whim, but, you know, you know, we've, you know, things like sports that they want to play. Um, we have one that runs track and he came to us and he said at, when he was in second grade, he said, I want to run track. And at the time we didn't know of any uh, track team for children that were, not in the public school system or you know, through the rec or anything like that. And, and it, it didn't exist. But a couple of years later, he still, he, I want to run track. So, you know, just by actually them telling us, you know, it's more, it was more about us listening to them as opposed to us and what it is that we would allow them to do. So, you know, we, we really just had to listen to them and try to make sure that we were in tune and try to identify, you know, what it is that they, they wanted to do. That they will be a supporter of your child's learning experience because mm -hmm. ultimately, just like adults, they will change their minds, you know, oh, yeah. on some things. But that doesn't mean that the, the skills that they may have gained in one area or at one point in time will not be used or, you know, um, executed later on somewhere else. So I think you are doing a great job with just not only being supportive, but then just being open, right? Thank just you. being open to all of the possibilities of, of things. And I think that is a great spirit to have 
you know, coming in um, as a homeschooler or even, you know, as a veteran homeschooler, right? Because there's always things that we can learn and and kind of continue to know, even though we might have been, you know, homeschooling for 10, 20 plus years, there's still always something fresh and new to learn as well. What are some uh, myths that you might have discovered, right? Because people are always like, oh, how do they socialize because they're homeschoolers? That's the biggest one. It is. It is. Yeah. What are some myths that you think you kind of just realized, like, that's just not true? (laughs) And and it's funny because that is the one everyone focuses on. And that is the one that just irritates me to my core. Um, (laughs) Because what I've actually found is that they socialize less in public school than they do as a homeschooler. Um, you know, but again, I don't get into those conversations with people, you know, especially the ones who already have their minds made up about, you know, well, what about socialization, you know, but uh, another thing that I've noticed is that it is much cheaper to homeschool than it is, um, to, to send them to public school. Mm, Um, so yeah, that, uh, for us, we've, we've made it, we've been very resourceful and, um, it's, you know, been something that, it's super costly, you know, because a lot of people, you know, that's another thing people will say is, well, how much do you spend? And, you know, isn't doesn't it cost a lot because you have to provide everything, but you're providing everything for your children anyway. Right. You know, right. regardless of where, of, of where they're educated, you know, but now I have more control over exactly what it is they're, they're getting. So, you know, that, that's one of the myths is that, you know, it's more expensive. Um, you just have to be resourceful and be creative. That is, a definitely a, a, an important point that parents should also know mm-hmm. you're right like when you're thinking about curriculum right there's so many that are out there and they can go from simply maybe 7.99 to almost a thousand dollars or so right mm-hmm. but it's, it's based on what you are choosing to do or how you are choosing to to help guide and, and facilitate your child's learning experience. But like you said, it can totally cost you zero dollars because yeah. there are tons of programs that you can get into. There are tons of online um, programs that your children can use to, to learn, you know, things of that nature. Have you guys started to do any of those? I know with liberated minds, they have classes and everything. But mm-hmm. what about some of the other online programs and things like that, maybe for coding or reading, you know, things of that nature? Uh, you know, I, I, we actually have not. Um, early on, I discovered the, um, the, the copious amounts of dollars that it would require, you know, for us. And being an entrepreneur, you know, sometimes it is feast or famine. So, right. you know, you, you either work, you know, you, you work and you have an abundance or, if you ha- you know, then you have to make sure that that can last. So I knew early on that that was, um, so what I tried to do was I tried to find, you know, some of the, the programs that were, that didn't cost a thing. And again, I wanted his experience to be uh, more African centered. I wanted it to be tailored to our, our beliefs and, you know, the things that we wanted him to learn. So it was very difficult to find any program that was going to align with that. So a lot of the things we've done ourselves, you know, um, when he was younger, reading, you know, our reading looked like us reading to him, you know, or him reading to us, you know, and through that, that would spark discussion. So, you know, library, go get a few books, you know, whatever he's interested in. 
you know, there are tablets, educational tablets that you can get for the smaller children and rent it out from the library for free. You know, they have all of the reading and math programs and science and history programs on there for free. You don't have to pay anything at all. Yes, (laughs) yes. And going back to the uh, discovering, you know, their interests, uh, you know, and how it relates to the library is, you know, our library did a coding class and the class was like every Tuesday for like a month. And, you know, we knew about coding, but of course he was on the younger side. So he didn't really quite know what it was, but we went there and within the first two classes, we discovered he is not a coder. This is not anything he's interested in, but it didn't cost us a dime. So, you know, that was one, one way to discover something that he was not interested in, you know, so, and it was, you know, it was, easy, easy, simple. We were in and out. So I love it. I love it. Yes. They do have classes as well. We have, we actually, you know, we actually started with, um, something that you actually are quite familiar with doing. We actually started with a sign language class, um, over was, I want to say three years ago now, cause it happened in 2020. Um, and during that time in 2020, something just kind of came over me and I think I was watching a news, like a news conference or something. And I was just like, hmm, sign language. And then my son, you know, he's kind of like, mom, we should learn that. I was like, yeah, let's learn that, you know, let's do that. So we ended up finding a sign language class for free at the library, got into it, loved it. And then we started to kind of learn on our own at home, you know, um, so I, I totally agree with you. I think one of the myths is, like you said, spending a lot of money. It doesn't have to be expensive. Like right. you said, be resourceful, be creative. I'm a big fan of doing things on your own. I've yes. done a lot of things on my own and I've found families and parents that love it, which kind of resulted into me uh, creating my own unschooled space with friends at Cabrini. But, you know, again, you're right. Do it on your own. But then yes. there's there's some people that feel like they don't have the time, right? Or they just don't know where to go. Um, I think then that's when you kind of look for those resources that we just, some of the resources like we just mentioned that may be free or not quite expensive and expensive at least. So. Yeah. And also there's, you know, family members, you have a uh, family members, if, if you, you know, have access to that, they have a lot of skills. Um, my mother, uh, she was a big part and she still is a big part of our homeschooling. She is a seamstress. Um, and that's just something she does on the side. But uh, my um, one of my daughters, they wanted to sew uh, the crocheter. She wants to sew. So, you know, I was like, hey, Ma, can you come in here and work with her? And, you know, they are in here making pillows and comforters and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it was a way for them to spend time together, which, you know, they, they have a great relationship, but they, they are, you know, they spend time together and it's also a way for, you know, to keep that, to keep the family passing down uh, different skills and, you know, just sharing that space together. So that, you know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers and sisters, you know, that's another way that we, have found to be resourceful um, for homeschooling. I think, you know, and I think that when people think about homeschooling, I feel like they miss the fact that it's also just a way of life. Mm -hmm. I think everything that you're saying right now shows that because even if you, 
let's say, even if you didn't take your children out of public school, some of these same experiences with, like you mentioned, with family, right? They would still have. Yes. Some of those same experiences they may still have, or maybe not, right? Because of timing and things of that nature. But homeschooling, homeschooling allows for there to be that full bridge, as you just mentioned, passing yeah. down generational skills and generational talent from one to the next, being able to create those family bonds and make them tighter, right? Yes, yes. Our children are in public school for six, seven hours of, out of the day. They're not really discovering their interests. They're kind of just doing what they're told, mm-hmm. right? They're from one class to the next. They're not really socializing because the teachers are like, don't talk, don't play, don't do this, right? They're trying to get their <laughs> Right. A lot more of, uh, you know, policing and militarization in schools these days and public schools these days. So they're not really being exposed to a lot. But with homeschooling, the first part of that is the home, mm-hmm. right? The family unit. And I think people just look at let look at it as like, oh, you're just doing public school at home. No. We're building and reconnecting the family. That's As you right. said, we're going back. Sankofa, we're going back. So that's right. I I, I love it. And I think that more people should understand that. But it seems like you have a great hand on that already. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. It, it is definitely a journey. It, it is a journey. Um, but, you know, wherever, whatever resource we can find, you know, uh, everyone in my family has had a, a, some sort of career. So, you know, those skills are highly useful, you know, although, you know, they may not my parents are retired. My my siblings, uh, my oldest brother, he's retired. He was in the military, you know, so we also pull him in, you know, he with firearms and things like that, you know, so just, you know, just having just allowing them to get those experiences, whereas they would not have gotten those experiences, you know, sitting somewhere else for, you know, eight, nine hours a day. Are you enjoying the podcast? Remember to subscribe to Friends of Cabrini on Spotify. Now back to the episode. I love it. Wow. And that just takes a lot of pressure off of it. I, I like that. Definitely. That I, I definitely like that. I think that's a good way to manage stress. Yes. Uh, because, again, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you know, that's a lot and it will kind of transcend within your space. Uh, with your children as well. So you definitely want to make sure you have a healthy environment um, for your children while they're learning. And and I've heard you say that you guys kind of take impromptu trips. Um, Where are some cool places you guys have been? Do you normally just kind of stick closer towards the North Carolina area or do you venture out to other states? Oh, we we found ourselves everywhere. Um, We we have been to uh, New Orleans uh, on an impromptu trip. Um, that was not so much impromptu. We ended up taking our grandparents, uh, not our grandparents, excuse me, our moms. Uh, so they, they went with us. Um, that was a huge learning experience for us. Um, we decided one day, um, we found some really, really cheap tickets. I mean, really cheap, like $50 per person. And we hopped on a plane in the morning, went to Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania and came back the same day. So um, there was a museum there that we really wanted to go to. Um, so that was one of our impromptu trips. Um, we will jump in the car and uh, we actually did go to a, uh, a mining cave. 
um, on the western part of in the western part of North Carolina one day, um, all because someone said, "I wonder what this stone does," or "I wonder what this stone is about," <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you know, and sometimes we just get tired of just being around in this area. So you know, we do do a lot of ride outs, and um, we love the impromptu trips. You know, it's nothing for us to to in the say. I think I want to go to so-and-so, or I think I want to go to Virginia, or I think I, you know, and we'll just find ourselves in, in different places. So we love that. It keeps it fresh. It keeps it new. It keeps it exciting, you know, and then that way no one ever gets too burned out with, you know, the regular thing that we're doing every day. Yeah, I love that. I've been thinking about going to, lately I've been thinking about going to West Virginia for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know what's there. <laughs> I doubt there's a whole lot there, <laughs> but I, I've been thinking about it for some weird reason, just in, I guess, self-discovery. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So what are you guys looking forward to? This is, you know, 2023. We are here in the first week of the new year. <laughs> what are you guys looking forward to? Uh, we are looking forward to just, uh, once again, another peaceful year. Um, more growth in terms of our businesses and more discovery of our interests. You know, it just, that is one thing that never seems to stop. Um, you know, as we get older and as we grow, we always discover new things about ourselves. So I, we are all looking forward to that. Awesome. Awesome. It has been so much fun having you on our show today. Uh, before you go, I usually like to end with one fun question. I hope that all of them were cool, fun questions. Yes, but... I enjoyed this, yes. Thank you. But um, I usually like to end with one fun question, which is our decades question. It's like 70s, 80s, 90s, and we've recently added in the early 2000s. <laughs> so uh, the question is basically, if you could choose any TV show, any film, or any song from either of those decades, that kind of represents your homeschool experience, maybe for this week, the month, or the year so far. Uh, which which one would it be for you? Up with Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier. Mmm, that's a good one. <laughs> Talk about so so the the movie is basically you know about two people you know just going about their daily lives and they discover that they have won a lottery ticket. And so after they win this lottery ticket and they end up losing it, you know, um, they end up gambling it away uh, somehow. And the rest of the movie is trying to find this lottery ticket and the, the lengths of the, the things that they go through to get this lottery ticket, you know, and that's how I feel about the links that I will go to to protect what we have built here and as a homeschool and as a family. So um, just, you know, just discovering that, hey, homeschooling is a thing, you know, that's our lottery ticket and that you don't have to do what you've always been doing, you know, and then the things that we will actually, you know, do to protect what we have. So that that's it. That's my movie. Wow. I love that. So I was thinking, you know, I think that we might have two, but they kind of go together. Um, one of them we've been watching a little bit more lately than than the other one we've kind of like watched and repeat and that would be the jeffersons and all in the family ah. um yeah we my son is a huge mr j fan he knows 
every line <laughs> of the Jefferson. <laughs> um, so for us, you know, I think it would just be that idea of starting something new. And like you said, having that luck where it, it kind of strikes and it works and aren't hot and just keep going with it. And I think that's something that um, the Jeffersons showed. It showed how to be still uh, connected to your community, to your family, but then also how to kind of go for more. Don't just be comfortable with where you are. And I think Mr. J did a lot of that um, within the series, right? As, as for him being the entrepreneur. Um, but then I mentioned All in the Family because we've lately started to watch All in the Family. And so what we kind of do is um, every so often, I would say maybe every once, at least once a month, what we would do is we'd find like a series or a film or something that we're really interested in. And then we watch it from front to back. And so mm-hmm. we're currently on season four of All in the Family. But we have watched all of the other seasons and one of the very first things that I noticed my son was able to connect with is the amount of redlining mm. that mentioned in um, All in the Family and you know almost every other episode there's something with Archie where he is so used to like those traditional old values that you know, white men had from the, the 50s and 40s and 60s. Mm-hmm. And he's not open to the young, the newness, the, the younger generations. And so for me, in that aspect, I would say it's more so just kind of like breaking down the ideas and the beliefs that I had or how of how I thought things could go or how mm-hmm. I thought things should go. Mm-hmm. And then being open to some of the new things that my son is kind of helping me to understand and to kind of see, you know, wow. from, parent, from parent to child. But then on the, on the historical side or maybe on the culture side of it, it's really understanding the depth of just how, how deep discrimination really runs, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I said, he was able to easily pick up on like, Hey mom, he's being racist towards this family because the Jefferson's family is black, but now he's being racist towards this family because this new family that wants to move in is Puerto Rican. And I was like, yeah, that's how they had, had it. And sometimes they kind of still got it like that. And he's like, so they didn't sell houses because of this? Yep. And when he was able to make that connection, I was like, he's eight, only eight years old, you know, getting ready to be nine, but literally understanding what redlining is how you're discriminating towards families because of their race and things of that nature, not because of anything else, you know? So um, I would say those two mainly because again, the whole journey of how the Jefferson's family as a whole and how Mr. J kind of evolved from the beginning of the series to uh, when the series ended. But then even though most people would probably be like, well, Archie Walker is such a, a, a bigot, you know, there's still something that you can learn from that to make you a better human being, right? right and make you better towards others. And I really, I really look at more so um, the relationship that he has between his daughter, Gloria, and her husband, Mike, right? The guy he calls Meathead, mm-hmm. and how he kind of like refuses to just kind of let go some of those things. So I'm trying to be more open <laughs> with the things that are happening now, right? As the new generation of children today. Um, 
but yeah, there's there's so much. So very powerful video too. Yeah, I love yours as well because no one's ever said that. I don't think I ever even thought about that one either. And that's a good that's a good film too. I love yeah. Bill Cosby. I know he's had so much trouble recently, but yeah. I, I I love Bill Cosby. I love everything that he does. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite shows that he did um was Cosby show and then a different world. I get my name from the character off of a different world. Oh so. yes. Okay. So I, I love um you know his uh his films and T V shows and things of that nature. My my son is a big fan of Little Bill. I think people forgot all about that cartoon. Oh yeah, Little Bill was everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. But you know that's like you, we watch I grew up on on those. Um, I'm a a 70s child. So uh, my parents, you know, we we watched and watched those Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier um, collaborations constantly. But even now, my sister and I, uh, we can watch that over and over and over. And it's brand new every time. So I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. Yeah. And I'm glad you said Sidney Poitier. My son. So my son, he's also interested in being an actor. And so um, I'm glad you mentioned this one because it didn't even dawn on me that Sydney played in this one too. Um, I've, you know, started to like show him a couple of Sydney's films. And so, you know, he's interested in trying to like, not only, I guess, maybe look at what the the actors are doing, but trying to, I guess, maybe model um, some of their different techniques. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this will be another one. This is a good film. I didn't even think about that one. Like there's, there's so other, you know, so many other ones that they always mention about Sydney Portier. Oh yeah, yeah. That that that's it's a classic. It's a classic. Yes, it is. Awesome. Well, it was so great talking to you this morning. Um, where can where can our listeners reach out to you if they're interested in getting connected with your business with Sankofa? or, uh, you know, just any tips or any advice from you? Yes. Well, currently, um, I am not up and running on a website just yet. However, they can email me at Sankofa Holistic, that's S-A-N-K-O-F-A-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C-H-S at gmail.com. I am also on Facebook. I am Talisha Woodard. Edwards on Facebook. Awesome. I love it. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to our show today. And Mrs. Edwards, thank you for coming on. I had so much fun talking with you. I hope that you would like to come on again in a couple of months, just to kind of do a check-in and see where you guys are in the year um, mm-hmm. as we go towards like July or June or something of that. But again, um, Connect with Mrs. Edwards, guys. She is very resourceful. She's a phenomenal woman. If you're in North Carolina, please, please connect with her and reach out. Hey, friends. So did you enjoy today's show? I know I sure did. Go ahead right now and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And make sure you tell a friend.